Good evening. Good evening. She just always has to cause problems. <laughs> if you would, open your Bibles. To... We love you, Bernice. <laughs> she knows. <laughs> if you would, open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We'll be looking at verse 23. As we continue to look at Jesus Christ, remember we are looking at four things that we need as humans, one being faith, one being Christ, one being the blood of Christ, and one being repentance. As we continue to look at Jesus Christ, we must look at the cross. Now what is a cross? It was a wooden frame that was used for torture and execution by the Romans. But the cross predated the Romans. The Babylonians crucified people, the Assyrians crucified people, so it actually predated the Romans. But the Romans, if you will, perfected it. They perfected the art of execution by crucifixion. Now, as I mentioned this morning, you cannot separate Jesus Christ from the cross. When we speak of Christ, when we teach Christ, when we, when we preach Christ, we must teach, speak, and preach Christ crucified. Why? Because of what happened on the cross when he was crucified. Again, if you would look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we'll be looking at verse 23. It's written, But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews, even a stumbling block, and unto the Grecians, foolishness. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our most gracious and loving Father, Lord, as we come before you today, I just pray, Lord, that you would be with us. Just illuminate our hearts, Lord, and our minds to your word. And Lord, I just pray that you would be with us tonight as we worship. Again, Lord, if there's anyone that is listening to this sermon that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, I just pray, Lord, that you would speak to their hearts and open their hearts to you tonight. And Lord, I just pray that you would be with us as we worship, Lord. We just thank you that we could come worship tonight. We thank you for the fellowship that we have. And Lord, we also just thank you for just everything that you have done for us and continue to do for us. And Lord, I just pray again that you would be with us as we worship. Just give me the words to say and just bind down Satan and let him have no part of this service. And again, Lord, we lift up those that were mentioned, those that are sick and shut in, those that have lost loved ones, those that may be traveling, Lord. We just lift each one up to you, Lord, and just ask your blessings upon each one. We just ask this in your son's precious and holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen. <coughs> In this verse, Paul is discussing how the apostles, and he in particular, preached Jesus Christ. He said that when they preached Christ, they preached Christ crucified. Now, why would they do that? 
Because when you look at our salvation, our salvation, our forgiveness of sins is found in what transpired on the cross. Now I want you to think about something for a moment. If you go out and you share the gospel with someone, what are you going to say to them? How are you going to present Jesus Christ? You're going to do exactly what Paul was doing. You're going to present Jesus Christ crucified for our sins. You're going to preach Christ dying on the cross and you're going to preach Christ shedding his blood upon the cross, and you're going to preach Christ being laid in a tomb, and you're going to preach Christ resurrecting from the dead. So you're going to preach Christ and him crucified. Because when we mention how we get forgiveness of sins... It's found in believing on him and everything about him, which includes the crucifixion. So we must preach the crucifixion because without Jesus Christ crucified and dying on the cross, we're without hope. We have to preach him crucified Because our salvation means that we believe he died on the cross and rose for the dead to purchase a place in heaven for us. Our forgiveness, as we're going to look at next week, is tied to the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And that's what he did upon the cross. He shed his blood. Now why? Because it goes all the way back to the law. Actually, it predates the law, if you will. A blood sacrifice was needed for the remission of sins, mm -hmm. for the covering of sins. Mm -hmm. All we need to do is look back in the book of Leviticus. In the book of Leviticus, numerous times it talks about how a blood sacrifice was needed for the remission of sin. But... All you have to do is go all the way back to the book of Genesis. Look at the sacrifice that Abel gave to God. It was a blood sacrifice for the remission of sins. Mm -hmm. But when we look at the law, when we look at the sacrificial system God set up before the law that was carried over into the law, that sacrificial system of blood sacrifice for the remission of sin anticipated Jesus Christ. It anticipated Christ. It anticipated the sacrifice of Christ upon the cross. That's why you can't separate Christ from the cross. The law anticipated that sacrifice. And when we look at the Old Testament sacrificial system, one thing that we see in the blood sacrifices that were offered in the Old Testament, they were inadequate. 
They were inadequate. Why? Because an animal cannot sufficiently cover the sins of mankind. There is no way that an animal can adequately cover our sins. Because the wages of sin is death, man has to die for sin. Man has to die for sin. The Old Testament sacrifices pointed to Jesus Christ and his death upon the cross. The perfect sacrifice that was to come. And we can see that it anticipated Jesus Christ as far back as the book of Genesis. If you turn back into the book of Genesis, when God was kicking Adam and Eve out of the garden, what does God tell Eve? He says that one of her offsprings was going to crush the head of the serpent. That was Jesus Christ crushing the head of Satan, crushing the sin of mankind, but then what did he say? He would be bruised. would bruise his heel. Christ would crush the head, but his heel would be bruised, anticipating his death on the cross, his suffering for sin. Jesus was the anticipated sacrifice. And he had to die on the cross. And we've looked at this before. But think about Jesus Christ for a moment. He was holy, harmless, spotless, sinless, stainless Jesus who became sin for us. But more importantly, what happened to him when he was on the cross? When he became our sacrifice? When they crucified him on the cross, he became accursed. He had to be accursed. The Holy Son of God had to become a curse in order to take our sin. And he became accursed by hanging on the cross. Because of, not only was he accursed by hanging on the cross, he also took our shame. Turn over to Deuteronomy 21, verse 23. And look at what's written in Deuteronomy 21, 23. It says that the curse of God is placed upon anyone that hangs on a tree. Mm -hmm. He had to become accursed for us. Being accursed, taking our shame and sin, he was the perfect sacrifice for us. That's why he had to die on the cross. Yet, look at what Paul says. Look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1.23. But we preach Christ crucified, and we've already looked at why he had to be crucified and what happened when he was crucified. But then look at what Paul says. Unto the Jews, even a stumbling block, and unto the Grecians, foolishness. People don't believe it. Back then, people didn't believe it, and today people don't believe it. Yet, 
It's the power of God unto salvation. As we see over in verse 18. But people don't believe it. The preaching of the cross, the preaching of Christ crucified was a stumbling block to the Jews because of the curse that was placed upon anyone that was crucified. They could not understand why the Messiah would become a curse. Why would the Messiah become accursed? They viewed the Messiah as being a political savior, not the suffering servant that he was. So they didn't believe it. But then the Greeks, they didn't believe it. Because they looked upon it as foolishness. Why would they look upon it as foolishness? Because only criminals were crucified. How could they believe on a criminal who was crucified as being Savior? So they didn't believe it. Yet, we need the cross. We need the cross for salvation. We need Christ dying on the cross in our place for salvation. And as Christians, we are to view the cross in a twofold way. I want to go over these two points here. Again, look over at verse 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Amen. It is upon the cross that our Savior suffered and died. Yet, when we look at the cross of Jesus Christ, not only do we see the suffering servant, not only do we see our salvation and the Lamb of God being sacrificed for our sins, we see the power of God at work. We see the power of God at work. The cross is where our Savior suffered and died. We must view it that way. That's the first way we must view it. It's where he suffered and died, paying the price for our sins. And in looking at it as the place where he suffered and died, we see the power of God at work as we see the grace of God and the love of God and the mercy of God on display. We see it on display in the suffering and death of Jesus Christ. Yes, it is a symbol of suffering and shame, but we also see the power of God at work. Using the work of Christ upon the cross for our salvation and our atonement. The power of God at work in the cross. So it is the power of God to us where to the lost it's foolishness. It's foolishness to the lost, but to us it's the power of God. Secondly, turn to 
Turn over to Galatians chapter 6. Verse 14. It's written, But God forbid that I should rejoice, but in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, whereby the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. The cross, we must view the cross as the symbol of our own sacrifice and suffering. And you might be thinking, but Brother Jeff, how do we sacrifice and suffer on the cross? How do we sacrifice and suffer on the cross? Because we're crucified with Christ. That's what Paul tells us. We've been crucified with Jesus Christ. That old nature that we have is crucified with Christ. Thus, our suffering and sacrifice is nothing more than the self-denial we must have when we become a Christian. We must deny self. Humble ourselves before God and continue to walk in humility before him as we follow Jesus Christ. So we are crucified with Christ, thus the life of the believer should be one of self-denial. As we live for God. Or as Jesus tells us, we are to take up our cross and follow him. We are to take up our cross and follow him. Our old nature is crucified and dead. It's crucified and dead. So we deny the old nature. We deny that old self. We deny worldliness. Thus, as Paul says, the world should be crucified to us just as we should be crucified to the world. So not only is the cross the instrument on which our Savior suffered and died, it is also the instrument on which our old nature was crucified when we received Jesus Christ. Thus, we need the cross. We cannot separate the cross from Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And it's like I said this morning. The cross, it paves the path to the Father. The way is Jesus Christ. Christ tells us he is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. But that path that we travel, that straight and narrow path that we, that we travel as we follow Jesus Christ, as we're going to the Father, through him is paved by the bloodstained cross. That's the path on which we, we walk as a Christian. And that's why we need the cross. Let's stand for prayer. Our most gracious and loving Father, Lord, as we come before you, just thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the cross. Lord, I just pray that you would be with us as we go into this time of invitation. Lord, again, if there's anyone that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, if there's anyone that needs to make any decision, I pray that you would speak to their hearts. Just continue to be with us. Overshadow us with your love and watch care. We just ask this in your son's precious and holy name, Jesus Christ.
Amen. Amen. Number 2A.